0: Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to read from verses 3 through to verse 7. So once you get there in your Bibles, if you would stand with me, if you don't have a Bible, it's fine. You can hear and just hear the reading of God's Word tonight together. But we'll all audibly read it together. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 through to verse 7. Ephesians 1, 3 through to 7. Let us read it together. to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Father, we pray that by the power of Your Spirit You would illuminate these precious truths to our hearts tonight. Lord, we pray that you would give us understanding by the Spirit, that you would open the blinded eye, that you would unstop the deafened ear, and Lord, that you would open hearts tonight to receive the incorruptible seed, the word of life. Lord, we pray for your anointing upon your word and upon this place and in everything we pray that Christ would be glorified. Lord, would you save souls in this room? Would you reveal your purpose to individuals that are here? Some are confused, some are broken, some are filled with darkness, some don't know where to turn, some are filled with depression and addiction. But we thank you that Jesus sets the prisoner free. So, Lord, reveal Yourself by Your Spirit to individuals in this room. It's an individual experience, this great salvation. It is of the Lord. But, oh God, we pray for the power of salvation, the power of the Gospel tonight, to penetrate hearts and You to be glorified. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take our seats together tonight. I'm going to speak. The title is Chosen in Christ. You know, when we come to the knowledge of our need of a Savior and faith rises in our hearts to receive the gift of salvation, that life that Christ has come to give every man and every woman and every boy and every girl in this room, that when by faith we receive this wonderful gift of salvation, our eyes, our spiritual eyes are opened we all of a sudden begin to see the purpose and the plan of God in our lives even prior to when we were saved. It is an amazing thing to know Jesus said that He's come to seek and to save them that were lost. In other words, there's a seeking before there's a saving. In other words, when He tells us about the great parable of the 99 and the 1, and the sheep, and the one that had gone astray, and he went out as that good shepherd, he went out to seek those that were lost, that one, he went out to seek that one which was lost, and so we see, and there comes more of a revelation, I believe, when you're saved, that you see over your life that God has sought you, from an early age, we see something so wonderful in the purpose and in the plan of God. Now, if you're here tonight and you're not saved, you see, I see the seeking of God in this house. I see God's purpose for your life. I see that God is pursuing some souls in this room tonight that are not saved or they have resisted us. Stephen prayed at the beginning of this meeting and Carol has prayed effectively. They have resisted or you have resisted the the purpose of God for your life. And you're here tonight not by coincidence. I know this is often said, but I really want to reiterate that because I don't believe in accident or coincidence. I believe in a sovereign purpose and plan and providential hand of God in every life. That purpose is to bring you into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Jesus has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Those that are outside of Christ. Those that have no hope. And you're here tonight, not by chance, not by just saying, I'll go to that meeting. You may have received an invite. Someone may have brought you. But you're actually here because God has purposed to reveal His Son to you that you might leave this place saved by the power of God. He is seeking your life. He wants to save you. And in your in His pursuit of, of going after you, when you become saved, when you give your life to Christ, when you're born of the Spirit of God, and many of the saints, I would say, would be able to identify with this, you begin to look over your life and you see the hand of God pursuing you even when you were without Christ and you had no thought of Him. He pursued you individually to bring you to the knowledge, to bring you to the cross, to bring you to that fountain that we have sung about tonight, that fountain that cleanses us from all sin. And so there's the pursuing of God, there's the seeking of God in our lives to bring us to the knowledge of our need of salvation. And then we have a choice. I believe that God gives men a choice whether to receive Him And as many as receive him, to them give he the power to become the sons of God or to reject him. But he will pursue you. He will pursue you to bring you to that place of salvation. And we know this in our lives. You know, we often look back and we see the purpose and the plan of God and God's plan to save us. We, we come into contact with a Christian at work when we're not saved. We come into contact with a believer in our family. We're brought up perhaps in a Christian home, perhaps not. Perhaps you meet someone in your estimation randomly on the street that's given you a gospel track. You, you might be just here tonight and you think it's all by coincidence, but you're not here by coincidence. Because the Bible says that he's come to seek and to save that which is lost. And we can look on our lives. I can remember clearly that God not only uses those that are saved to speak to us, but God uses circumstances to save us. God uses people even that are outside of Christ at times to to speak into our lives. I can remember one night years ago, that I was sitting in a very dark place. It was in the backside of a bar and the man beside me was, was as drunk as what I was. And he says, we need to get right with God. God uses a donkey. God will use people to speak into our lives, to awaken us to our need of salvation. And God puts people into our lives to speak to us, to bring us to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when God reveals His divine purpose and will, that you must come to Christ and receive him as your savior. How many believers in this room can, if you take a moment, can you look back in your life and you see that God has sought you to bring you to the place of repentance. Any any other believers see that? See the purpose of God. That it's not a coincidence. That is not a mistake but the divine plan of God to bring you to the knowledge of Him, to bring you to the place, to give you the grace that you would open your heart and receive Christ as your Savior then. The full plan of God for your life becomes revealed that you walk in the fullness of that. I want to talk tonight about a man in the Scriptures that is very well known. He actually is the writer writer Of what we have read out tonight that it was given to him under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And if you have your Bible, I I would like you to turn over to Acts chapter 22. And we're going to pick up on the account of Paul the Apostle. This was a man that was wonderfully saved. We know on the road to Damascus there was a divine encounter with Jesus Christ that changed his life completely. And to give you the background, just leading up into Acts chapter 22, if you just hold it open on your knee tonight, I just want to give a little bit of the background. Paul, the apostles, wonderfully saved, and God has raised them up to be a missionary, to be a preacher of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, in particular to the Gentiles. He's come at this point to Jerusalem, and as he's standing in Jerusalem, he's born of the Spirit, washed in the blood. He's Holy Spirit filled. He he is preaching the gospel everywhere he goes. He's telling men, he's a witness of the resurrection that Christ has saved them and set them wonderfully free. But the Jews of which he was once a part in a religious setting, the Jews rose up against him. And so they began to persecute Paul the Apostle and then We see here, if we read the background of it, chapter 21 into 22, the crowd at that moment suddenly turned on Paul the Apostle as he's preaching the gospel. They said, this is the man that's causing the trouble for us, preaching this this gospel, this born-again business. And so we must put a stop to him because it's an offense to us. And so the crowd turned on him. And here Paul the Apostle, this man of God, They begin to beat him. Actually, they near beat him to death. He takes such a beating for the gospel. Brothers and sisters, we're living in days that I believe very soon that we are going to suffer physical persecution for the gospel in the Western world. It's already happening, not to the extent of our brothers and sisters in many other parts of this world, but there's going to be a cost to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see this man, Paul, standing, and there's a severe beating that he's taken. The mob has turned on him. The city is in an uproar, and now they've just turned on him, just, just, just widely like a pack of lions. They've turned on the apostle, and they begin to beat him right to the point where it looks as though they may even take his life. But the Roman soldiers hear of the uproar, and they, they come rushing down with the centurion's, And so they deliver Paul supernaturally, I believe, the hand of God to preserve him. It was not his time. But now he's pulled out of that crowd and they're bringing him to the castle to protect him. They say they bore him. In other words, the man was so beaten, he was so bruised, he was so bloodied that they had to carry Paul the apostle towards the castle. But he still had breath in his body. And while he had breath in his body, he speaks to the chief And he says to the chief, would you just give me a moment to tell you who I am and what's happened to me? I mean, he's broken, he's beaten, uh, he's bruised and he's battered and he's being carried. And the mob are following the soldiers and they just want to finish him off. And the chief grants him permission. And there we see this man, Paul the Apostle, stand on the steps of the castle And this is where we pick up our reading in Acts chapter 22. So we see a a very weakened body. We see a man that's bruised and beaten, but he's God's man. He's a man of God and he stands there in verse 3. He begins to tell them who he is. as a testimony. What we've heard over these Sunday nights, this is Paul's testimony. First of all, he says, I am verily a man, which I'm a Jew. In other words, what he's saying, I was born a religious man. I was born a Jewish man. What he's saying to the people is, listen, this was my background. A bit like here in this part of the world, people will tell us I was born a Protestant. Or I was born a Roman Catholic. Or I was born nothing, but I was born. And Paul's saying, listen, this is what I was born. I was born just like you. I was born a Jew and tonight I was born a Protestant or someone in this gathering may say I was born a Catholic. But it doesn't matter what you were born in a religious setting. The most important thing is is that you're born again. You're born again. And so he tells them of his religion. then he says very simply, he says, I was born in a place called Tarsus. He tells us of the place that he was born. He tells us of the religion that he was born with and the birth. Of where he was born. And then he tells us of his teaching where he was taught as a religious setting with a with a man called Gamil, and that is one of the one of the prominent teachers of that day amongst the Pharisees. And that is who, who Paul the Apostle sat as. He was known as Saul of Tarsus. He sat under the teaching. So he was well educated in the things of the law, in religion. He was a very religious man. Perhaps tonight you're here and you're a very religious person. You're religious. You go to church or you go to your chapel or you do your thing, what you what you feel you're supposed to do because you've been taught that and you've been brought up that way. But none of those things can save you. None of those things make you saved and ready for heaven. And so he says that I was schooled in this way and I was perfect in the manner of the law of the fathers and zealous towards God, but yet he was lost. And verse 4 of Acts chapter 22, he then tells us a little, bit, a little bit about his life, the type of person that he was. He says, I persecuted this way. He's talking about the church or those that are saved, the born-again believers. He says, I persecuted them unto death. This was the life that I lived. I was filled with hatred and bitterness towards these Christians. You you want to get the scene here for a moment. This is Paul the Apostle, once Saul of Tarsus, standing on steps of a castle, surrounded by Roman soldiers. He'd just been beaten to the pulp. He's bloodied and he's broken. And he's addressing the crowd that have just beaten him. And he says, look, I was once like you. I was once a man that persecuted these people of this way, those that are saved. I bind them. I delivered them in the prison. I took men and women. He was so clear in his testimony. I took men and women and I delivered them to prison, those that were saved, this born-again crew, that you have come to persecute. And he says, and also, also verse 5, the high priest to bear me witness and all the estate of the elders from whom also I received letters unto the brethren and went to Damascus and I brought them there bound unto Jerusalem to be punished. My life, this is what Paul said, this was the life that I lived. It was an awful life. He was a religious man. He persecuted, he beat people. He was responsible for violence and even holding the coats of when they martyred. Stephen, at that day, he held the coats of the crowd as they stoned him to death. He was part of murder, the first martyr of the church. This was the life that he lived. He was filled with bitterness and hatred. And he's standing here on these steps and he's declaring to this crowd, I was once what you are, what you're doing to me. I used to do the others. But I want to tell you about something that happened in my life. And he goes on to say in verse 6, he says, as I was going to Damascus, then verse 6 it came to pass that as I made my journey and was come nigh unto Damascus about noon, that suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. And I fell to the ground and I heard a voice. And it said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered and said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. And they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Arise and go into Damascus. For there it shall be told of thee of the things which are appointed for thee to do. And when I could not see for the glory of the light being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came to Damascus. This is Paul's, or Saul of Tarsus at this time, this is Paul's born again encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's a man that's filled with darkness and bitterness and hatred, and yet he comes to have a An encounter suddenly by the power of God with Jesus Christ. And his life is about to be transformed in an instant. If You're here tonight and you're not saved. I want you to listen very carefully to me. God wants to save you tonight. God wants to set you free tonight. God wants to set you free from the darkness and the pain and the depression and the agony and the sleepless nights and the addiction that you're in, God has come tonight to save you and to set you free. In a moment, your life can be transformed by the power of God. There isn't anything too hard for the Lord. There's no one that's in too deep a hole that God can't reach into tonight and save by His mighty power. There's no one in a prison that's so dark that there's no answer. He's the one that opens prison doors and he's the one that breaks every chain. There's no one tonight that's too far gone. Listen to me, friend, tonight. You're not a person where we would say there's no hope for. We know God tonight and there's hope in Jesus Christ. You might have come in here full with confusion, not knowing where to turn. Your life is in a mess. You've been in trouble with all manner of things. But I want to tell you tonight, there's hope in Jesus Christ. He has come to set the prisoner free. You're the prisoner that he's come for. It's not someone beside you. It's you. You're the prisoner that he's come for tonight. He's come to seek and to save. That means deliver those that are oppressed. And in that moment, Paul, Saul of Tarsus, drops to his knees. He's blinded by the great light. They all seen the light. But he seen the light and heard the voice. This is important tonight. How do you discern if God is speaking to you? I tell you how you discern. How you know. And we don't always understand it when we're coming to the point of salvation. But we understand it a little bit after we're saved. We are in our hearts. We are feeling a drawing in our hearts. There's something within us that we don't necessarily explain correctly, but there's this desire within us that I want to get right with God. I don't want to live in my sin. And you may not understand that that word sin, but all your brokenness, everything of the life that you've lived, all the awful things that you've committed by your nature, we are all sinners. and Christ came into the world to save sinners. And there's in your heart, there's a desire. I don't want to live like this. I don't want to go on like this. I don't want to wake up tomorrow in the same mess and in the same pit and in the same hell that I'm living. I want an answer and the answer is Jesus Christ. And you begin to desire there's something within you that's saying, I want something for my life. That something, friends, is not religion. That something is not found just in a building. It's found in a person. That person is Jesus. He's come to save you. He's seeking you. And he wants to save you. And so Paul begins to tell them of his testimony. Now just hold it there in Acts chapter 22. But I'm going to refer to the actual account that's found in Acts chapter 9. It tells us there that after this encounter in Acts chapter 9 of verse 9. I'm paralleling these and bringing a little bit more detail in Acts 9 and 9. It tells us that Paul was for three days without sight. The light, the glory of that light blinded him that he could not see. For three days he did not eat, nor did he drink. But verse 10 is an important verse. I want everyone to listen carefully, both those that are saved and unsaved. The Bible brings into the story a certain disciple. This was a follower of Christ, just a brother or a sister in Christ. But this man was named Ananias. And it says unto him, said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. Now I want to show you the workings and the providential hand of God. God was well ahead of it all. He was meeting Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. And while Ananias was in prayer and seeking the Lord, the Lord spoke to him. Do you know, I want to tell you, brothers and sisters tonight, I, I believe we need to pray. And when we're in prayer, it comes in prayer. And revelation comes in prayer. And vision comes in prayer. But that God would begin to reveal to every believer in this room His purpose and His heart specifically for individuals. This is what happened here in the book of Acts. It wasn't just a random thing, and I believe that we should be faithful and sowing the seed, but there was a very much a specific that God's heart was for a very particular man. His name was Saul. And when Ananias was in prayer, God began to reveal to him and say, there's a man in the, in, in, in the straight street, and he's in need, and I want you to go, and I want you to pray for him. Friends, there's people tonight, brothers and sisters, I'm speaking primarily to the church, but there are people tonight all across this town, and some are in this room, but all across Ballinahinch Hinch and all across our province tonight that are at the end of themselves. They don't know where to turn. They don't know where to turn to. They're they're gripped with alcohol, drugs, addictions. Their minds are confused. They're suicidal. They're filled with fear. They don't know where to turn. They're living in their homes. They're living in a hell. They're living in darkness. Do you know what God's heart is towards them? God's heart is to save them. That's the mercy of God that we're here tonight, that we're washed in the blood of Jesus. That's what we were, but he saved us. And when Anas begins to pray, God then begins to reveal his heart. God says there's a man, there's a man in this street I want you to go on and ask because I want you to pray for him because this man's a chosen vessel. He's a vessel that's going to bear my name. I want to tell you, friends, there's countless souls of Tarsus all around us and Ballina Hens tonight. There's countless souls of Tarsus in Lisbon and Caswellan and Kilkeel and across this province that are waiting tonight. It's the heart of God to save them. There's men and women and young people and Ananias is in a prayer and God reveals to him in a vision and says, there's this man, I want you to go to Straight Street and of the house of Judas. God knows the address. God knows the number on the door." God knows the very street. God knows everything about you tonight, friend. And Ananias, he says, I want you to go because there's a man there. His name is Saul of Tarsus. And he's praying. He's praying. I want to tell you, friend, tonight, if you've come into this room, what that shows me is that God knows your name, that God knows where you live, that God knows your background. That God knows your heart. That God knows if you prayed a prayer last night, God, would you help me? That God knows that if you've stood in the middle of a street in the last few days and said, I need an answer for my life, do you know that God hears that cry? And that's why you're here tonight. And God reveals that Ananias. But you know, ass, he's a little bit afraid because. Saul of Tarsus had a reputation. Do you know, friends, I want to tell you tonight, through the church of Jesus Christ, we just need to remember what we have come out of. That we never get too religious, that we're afraid to go to a door, or we're afraid to cross the street, or we're afraid to put the hand down to someone lying on the street. Do you want to know why? Because there but for the grace of God go anybody in this room. Never get too religious Never get too full of ourselves, but friends, but for the grace of God, go any of us. Ananias, would you go? But Ananias protests to the Lord, and he says, "I have heard. I have heard by many of this man, how much evil he had done to the saints at Jerusalem. And here, and here, he has authority from the chief priest to bind all." that call upon your name. Lord, are you sure you've got the right character? Lord, are you sure this is the one? Are you sure you've come to save? Do you know what Paul called himself? He says, I was the chief of sinners. What that just tells us tonight, friends, that if God can save the chief of sinners, he can save anybody in this room. So Ananas brings the revelation of God to his heart. Can I tell you, church, brothers and sisters, could we pray that every believer in this room as we're in prayer, that we're open to hear the voice of God, that we're open to hear where He wants us to go, what door He wants us to knock, the house He wants us to visit, the street He wants us to go to. Does anybody realize and know tonight that God is able to reveal every detail to your heart? That by His Spirit he begins begin to impress as we're in prayer God He's revealing to me that there's a soul that's in distress to hear his heart, to know his passion, to be filled with his love, the love of Calvary, to go the extra mile, to knock on the door, to allow our flesh to decrease, to allow him to increase and to bring the good news of the gospel. How many tonight are waiting for a knock? And the Lord said to Ananias, go your way, you know, go your way. For He is a chosen vessel unto me. I have a plan for His life. I want you to listen. Brothers and sisters, I believe when you come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, you also come to the knowledge that you're a chosen vessel unto the Lord. He will bear my name to the Gentiles, to kings and to the children of Israel. I will show Him the great things He must suffer for my name's sake. Tells us in Acts 22, back into that account, that Paul says, There was a man, Ananias. Listen how, look at the way the Lord works. It's amazing. He's a devout man according to the law. He's a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there. But he came unto me and he stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, you can see Ananias walking into that room and, and Saul on his knees and blinded with that great light and just sitting there. He's weakened after three days of no food, of no water. And Ananias walks in and says, Brother Saul, Brother Saul. I mean, that must have been words from heaven. Brother Saul, Brother, Brother, Brother Saul. Receive your sight. Tells us there that Ananias. I'm just going back to Acts 9 for a moment. But Ananias went his way. He says, entered into the house. And he put his hands on him and said, "Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me that thou might receive their sight and that you be filled with the Holy Ghost." And immediately at that moment, there fell from his eyes, if it had been scaled, and he received his sight forwith, And he arose. He arose, and he was baptized. What an encounter! You see the providential hand of God at work and lives in the church bringing people into possession. Saul of Tarsus. God's about to do a mighty thing. How many souls have still to be saved? Great and wicked men and women, but God wants to save them for His purpose. In Acts 22 and 13, He says, The same hour I looked upon him, and he said, this is what he said, Paul says this in Acts 22. It's not found in Acts 9. He said, The God of our fathers has chosen thee, Paul, that thou should know his will, that you should see the just one, that thou shouldest hear the voice of his mouth, for thou shalt be as witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. I want to break this down very quickly as a close. He said to him, First of all, You are, Saul, a chosen vessel. I tell you, young man, young woman, older man and older woman, God's purpose is to save you. You are a chosen vessel of the Lord. According as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that there's a purpose in God even before there was a world that God had a purpose of salvation, that you may come to the knowledge of Christ to be saved and a plan for your life. God's got a plan for your life. It's an amazing plan. What is he looking for? Is he looking for the great things? Is he looking for the really smart people? Is he looking for the strong people? Is he looking for the mighty people of this world? You know what he says? Paul writes, he says, God has chosen the foolish things. God has chosen the weak things. God has chosen the base things. The things which are despised. That there be no glory in His presence. God's looking for people that are broken, maimed and hurt and crushed. And He wants to save them. Not only has He chosen, but here's a wonderful thing. And I know sometimes younger believers and older believers can battle with this. But He said that He's chosen you to know His will. To know the will of God. To know God's will. God just doesn't save you and leave you rudderless. He saves you and gives you a purpose for your life. Jeremiah 29 and 11. That famous verse, it says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. I want to give you an expected end. I want to give you hope. I want to give you a plan for your life. The devil's come to destroy it. He's a thief. He's a liar. But I've come to give you a purpose. You're a chosen vessel of the Lord. And then also he says to see the just one. You remember there fell from his eyes as it had been scales. And suddenly he sees, not just naturally, but he sees. He sees him. He sees Jesus. He sees the glory. He sees the one that saved him. A revelation of Jesus Christ. What a revelation that is. To get a revelation of the Lord. And then not only to see Him. But He says that you're going to hear His voice. This is what Jesus said in John 10 and 27. My sheep hear My voice. You'll hear His voice. Sheep hear His voice. And I know them. And they follow Me. And I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never... Perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I want to tell you, friend, tonight, there is nothing to have that blessed assurance in your heart that you're in the hand of Almighty God. And no devil or no man can pluck you from it. To hear his voice. And lastly, to be a witness of this encounter. You know, I loved it when Liam said last week, I'm going to tell you something what happened to me because I was there. You were there when you were saved. You were there the night that Christ saved you. You were there when with the joy that filled your heart, when peace came into your soul. You were there when Christ came in and washed washed your sins away, and your name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You were there. Do you know what he says? I want you to be a witness of this encounter. In Acts 1 and 7, Jesus said, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power, but you'll receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. You're a witness to the saving and the delivering power of Almighty God. He wants you to be a witness. How do you be a witness? By the power and the baptism and the Holy Ghost. He wants you to be a witness for Him. To see Him. To hear Him. To know His plan and His purpose for your life. But to fill you with the Holy Ghost. To be a witness. Oh God, I pray that, we, that God would fill this church with souls, Saved. Filled with the Holy Ghost. And the purpose of God. To go wide into the fields. To be a witness of the resurrection in Christ. Thank God. That's what so many are. God's purpose tonight if you're not saved. Is to save you. He's seeking you. He's called you. You're here in his purpose tonight. Oh I, I made a decision to come here. I understand that. But I understand also something so much greater than that. Because God has drawn you here by his spirit. And his purpose is to save you. Those that are confused, those that have lost the assurance, those that have turned away, those that are cold in heart. Let me tell you something. You know, men might give up on us, but I'm so thankful for the pursuing love of Jesus. That even though when we cold and we rebel and we resist, do you know what breaks the resistance? The resistance is broken by the love of Calvary. When He melts our hearts and He touches us again and He draws, there's nothing like it. Friend, tonight there's a pursuit in this room for a soul or for souls. God's seeking you. What have you to do? You have to respond by opening your heart and receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior that you might know His will, that you might see Him that you might hear Him, and that you might be a witness for Him in these last days. I pray tonight that God, the Holy Ghost, would work in a heart in this room and melt that heart and that you, before you would leave here, would give your life to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus tonight. That's why you're here. Let's pray together.